What's going on, everybody? We're back here for another episode of Triggered. This is Triggered episode number 58, and today we have a very special guest with us, attorney Dan Backer. Hey, guys. Yeah. <laughs> Who has Greetings. Uh, quite the resume yes. and has been a huge part in basically free speech regarding political donations and FEC and all kinds of stuff like that. He works for Political.Law as the founder of Premier Campaign Finance and Political Law Boutique in Alexandria, and is also the president and founder of the Coolidge Reagan Foundation, whose mission is to defend, protect, and advance liberty, particularly the principles of free speech enshrined in the First Amendment of the U.S. Constitution. He also was an attorney in the landmark McCutcheon versus FEC case at the Supreme Court, which questioned the constitutionality of the Bipartisan Campaign Reform Act, and it challenged the question, is a two-year aggregate campaign contribution limit constitutional under the First Amendment, which was not constitutional, and it was a huge win for political donation freedom. So, welcome. Thank you. Welcome. That sounds really yeah. complicated. I think, yeah. <laughs> you know, normally we describe it as, um, you know, how many candidates are you allowed to contribute to every election cycle? Mm-hmm. The government said uh, 18 and a half, and we said more, and that was it. Yeah. Yep. So. Yep. It was a big win, though. So, uh, mostly today we just want to talk about the FEC complaint that was filed on behalf of the Coolidge Reagan Foundation against Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. Yeah. So and let me start by saying what you can do legally as a candidate, you can hire family members, you can hire friends, mm-hmm. you can hire your boyfriend or girlfriend, you can hire anybody you want to provide services to your campaign. But the reality, and by the way, you can also pay yourself what's called a candidate salary. This is expressly permitted under the law. Right. What happens, however, is that if you do these things, pay yourself a salary or hire friends and family, you get bad PR stories about it. Totally. And so... What we think happened and what looks like happened is rather Ocasio-Cortez, rather than pay her boyfriend to do work, and we're assuming that he actually did legitimate work for which he was paid. I, I don't know if that's the case or not. But they termed just, it a strategic consulting, right? No, I think they called it, uh, they said he was a growth specialist or something. I, think <laughs> I, I, you know, I don't know that that's what you want on your FEC report, paying right. your boyfriend. So, <laughs> yeah. But anyway, so rather than pay him for what is, he did, and you know, we're let's, let's assume for now that it was legitimate services. I don't think it was, but let's assume right. it was. Rather than pay him and have this minor PR story but be lawful, they went out and instead they committed a felony. They paid, it looks like they paid another organization, a political action committee run by the guy who is now her chief of staff, then effectively her campaign manager, paid his organization, which in turn generated payment to the boyfriend. Right. Uh, in uh, almost the exact amount. I think it was off by $181.39, which looks like a refund or a reimbursement rather for mm-hmm. some other thing. The timing was almost exact. And so it looks like that rather than pay him directly, they paid him through a middleman. Now, you're allowed to hire a general contractor who hires subcontractors. This is totally permitted. But what you're not allowed to do is hire somebody to work for you and not disclose it or pay somebody to do a thing and route that payment through an intermediary to obscure the purpose of that payment. And there's two big examples of this that we know about sort of globally. It's uh, Hillary Clinton's campaign and the DNC paid their law firm, Perkins Coie, which in turn used millions of dollars to fund the Steele dossier uh, against President Trump during the campaign. And so there's multiple FEC complaints. Coolidge Reagan Foundation filed one. Uh, There's a group called uh, Crew on the other side of the aisle that um, uh, we're all nonpartisan, but they take a very, uh, you know, anti-speech approach. They filed a complaint about it. This is something (laughs) that we're all like, this is a bad thing. You can't do that. The Department of Justice, meanwhile, successfully convicted a couple campaign operatives for Ron Paul in 2012 for doing this with uh, when they basically... They hired a, uh, a state representative. Their position is they hired a state representative to do some audio and video. The government's position was they bribed the guy to endorse Ron Paul. 
and they but they didn't disclose the payment. They ran it through this sort of intermediary entity to hide the payment. Now, hmm. there's issues with this case. It's actually on appeal to the Supreme Court. We've written an amicus about it. Mm-hmm. But that's sort of a, the side issue here is that it's pretty clear. You can't pay people. Yeah, you can't hide that you're trying to pay somebody to do a thing for your campaign. And in this case, that's what it looks like, is that she, rather than pay the boyfriend, take the, the trivial press hit, maybe, yep. they pay this other entity in the middle in order to hide it, and that's illegal. Skirting so the reporting requirements. Yeah, it's, yeah. And, yeah. You know, one of the things is, like, we'll, we'll quibble about contribution limits, we'll quibble about a lot of things in free speech, but the Supreme Court has said over and over again, disclosure requirements are absolutely permissible at pretty much every level. Even really stupid ones are required. I had a client, they have to file reports that have to be notarized every mm-hmm. time you file it with this one particular state. And it's stupid and pointless, but it's been upheld by a court. Every court will uphold right. these kinds of requirements. And so, you know, uh, the AOC, they made a bad strategic decision. I don't know what they were thinking. Very bad. They decide, <laughs> you know, and now, unfortunately, they're on the hook for what is potentially a, a crime. Mm-hmm. And one that the Department of Justice has successfully prosecuted people for. Congressman Shaka, former Congressman Shaka Fatah, Philadelphia, yeah. <laughs> he's in jail right now, and yeah. part of his conviction rested on this. So right. it, it was just a colossally stupid decision, frankly. And you know, we we found out about it. We, uh, thanks to I think um, Luke Thompson, I think was the yes. well, originally it was about yeah. the email, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah. And so, well, he he wrote about that, and then he brought up this other stuff, and we looked at it, and we saw the FEC violation there, and so we filed a complaint. Yeah. And then just this morning, we filed another complaint with the Office of Congressional Ethics that was focused on the email itself, the fact that they improperly provided this guy access to the House uh, internet resources, to the calendar, provide him an email address, that they're using this these government resources assets for somebody who's not in staff, not a volunteer, has no official role, should not have that. And that's very right. clearly impermissible. So there's three counts of that complaint, uh, but and more or less all the same thing. But the most interesting thing is this. As a congressman, you're not allowed to sign, you know, use U.S. congressional letterhead stationery for non-governmental activities. Right, right. And because it's a resource of the government. Well, by the same vein, by giving the boyfriend access to the Internet, uh, the, the House resources, giving him access to the calendar to presumably create calendar entries, and then also an email address, that falls in that same general concept. And so we think it's a technical issue. But I think it's a serious enough one that the Office of Congressional Ethics really should look at this right, right. And, and resolve this. And I don't understand. It, just, it seems to me, again, they're lazy and they didn't bother to make sure that this was OK before they just went and did it. Yeah. Well, they're definitely amateurs. Mm. That's for sure. But, yeah, a few weeks ago, we were looking at some of this stuff and, and saw the same thing, you know, this kind of scheme that they had going. Yeah. And uh, at the time, you know, we didn't run with it because we didn't know for sure. But then, you know, all this <laughs> stuff started coming out and it was like. How has no, you know, quote unquote reporters caught this before? Well, it's because FEC reports are incredibly boring. Uh, yeah. You yeah, have to sit are. there and leaf through them and it's hard. You know, uh, I, jokingly, uh, every now and again, I will slip little Easter eggs into my FEC reports because I know the couple reporters who actually sit there and yeah. look at these 10,000 page reports. <laughs> and so there's like jokes we, we I throw out there. But realistically, I mean, they're impossible to really understand and they're not really designed for public consumption. So you have to spend a lot of time digging through it and then matching all these other things together to, right. to figure this out. Great example. So we filed a complaint against Hillary Clinton, the Hillary Victory Fund, the Democratic National Committee, right. and a bunch, 30 state parties over this $84 million money laundering scheme they did in the 2016 election. And because we found it in the refugee reports and we weren't looking for it. We were looking for something totally unrelated. Right. And we just started seeing this weird pattern of transactions. And then we so then we started really digging Stumbled upon it. Yeah. And it was insane. It was just like, again, it's the same exact problem with the, with Democrats is that 
you know, out of greed, laziness, and corruption, they chose rather than do this thing perfectly legally, which they could have done, mm -hmm. they figured out the one way to do it that would actually be a felony, and they did it. Yeah, uh, and it's, yeah. it's <laughs> I mean, it's like a cultural problem. There. And, and you know, and the coordin the coordination part of it is like ridiculous, right? Because weren't mm -hmm. they both essentially running the pack? Well, if we understand that, correctly? the AOC, yeah. yeah. So Was this it? is where it gets interesting because we we only know. So there's two kinds of information. There's what they put out there in public reports, right? Mm -hmm. uh, you know, public filings with the government, filings with other people that seem to indicate that yes, she is a director of an entity. And if you're the director of an entity under pretty much every state's law, you are in control. You have correct. And yeah. under FEC parlance, you have almost certainly directly or indirectly established, maintained, finance or controlled this political entity. And if as a candidate you do that, it's an authorized committee of that candidate. Now, theoretically, it could also have been a leadership pack. Candidates can have, and they don't, but they can right, have right. leadership packs. But they didn't run it that way. They ran it as a super PAC. I'm under yeah. the impression they took very large contributions at various points from individuals and, and from corporate entities above the limits. Uh, well, above the limits for individuals and at all for corporate entities. Right, right. And then it took this money. So right off the bat, you have a problem that a candidate for federal office or an office holder may not control a super PAC, period, end of subject. This yeah. is black. I took a swing at this at the FEC and I lost. This yeah. is black letter law. If if she's in control of this thing and it's a super PAC right off the bat, that's a problem. That's not coordination. That's mm -hmm. just black letter illegal. Yeah. Now, on top of which, if this entity is spending money on her campaign in terms of uh, you know doing campaign events and doing public communications, right. uh, what were the disclaimers on there? Are they violating disclaimer requirements? By, by the way, this is not in our FEC complaint. Right, this right. is probably the next FEC complaint. There's a whole complaint. other one. Yeah. Yeah. This, this stuff takes a while. Like we're we're oh, charging yeah. It comes though. in threes. So, yeah. <laughs> so let's say this this super PAC, one or both, were running independent expenditures for her. Or you know they were just making communications on behalf of the campaign. Well, is it disclaimed by the PAC or by the candidate? Did the candidate authorize it? What's on the bottom? Like That disclaimer really matters. Oh, yeah, it's I, huge. Yeah. I mean, it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's surprising. Like We had a client, they forgot to, uh, uh, before they were our client, so they, they made a mistake. They forgot to update their disclaimer between the primary and the general election. Mm -hmm. And when they did, there was some money that was raised in that interim period. And long story short, they caught about $140,000 fine. And we got involved pretty much after all this was done trying to help them out a little bit. But it's like, you know, you have to pay attention to this. Disclaimers matter, one, because you're required to do it, but two, because it's it's actually the most important piece of information in a communication about who's paying for it. Right. Which mm -hmm. Democrats love to talk about dark money. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Well, yeah. you want to know who's paying for stuff, use accurate disclaimers. Yeah. So there's there's that issue. And then there's if the super PAC is paying for these communications with impermissible funds that the candidate is now controlling. Uh, and those communications are disclaimed, they say paid for by, you know, so uh, so. Justice Democrats yeah. PAC, but it's calling for election. It's clearly coordinated communication. So you've got mm -hmm, coordination, yeah. the prohibition on candidates controlling super PACs, improper disclaimers, improper reporting of all this. It's yeah. you know, it's a sort of basket full of felonies going yeah. on. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. totally. And that's, that's a great term about Given that the PAC was like yeah. the main driver to for like all for operations and primary and crowd. Well, yeah, yeah. and then and then yeah. the <laughs> physical address that they were using, which I believe was in Tennessee, I think. Well, yeah, I remember there was it's, one. It's point like a, a physical address for many. Yeah. You know. Well, and that's so that's not uncommon. A lot of people right, use mail right. drops, they use mail forwarding processes. That that doesn't surprise me at all. Mm -hmm. um, I, I think what uh, where it gets kind of interesting is like you just they're doing all this stuff, and at one point they didn't really have a lot of money, but so they're getting paid to do this work for this by this uh, this candidate and by others, but they're getting paid by this campaign. You know, it's actually again, it's legal to pay a, a, a general contractor Correct. who yep. then hires subcontractors. The issue seems to be here is that you know they're calling strategic consulting mail phones travel, like all this stuff that they were doing, they're all lumping it all together as strategic consulting. And so you have uh, inadequate description. 
I'm a guy who sits there and files these reports, and it's mm-hmm. awful. But we actually have, you know, we have one vendor that does the thing, and you have to break out by look. There's this piece. There's this piece. There's this piece. Right. Maybe we do reimbursements. It's, it's got to be itemized. Yeah, it's it's really not a lot of fun. Like I mean, FEC reporting is unbelievably complicated. It, it's it's not intuitive. It's not easy to do. And this is a feature, not a bug. They right. made it this way on purpose to keep people out of the system. The flip side is when you've got people coming into the system, it's really easy to make these mistakes. And then if you're out there being what the AOC calls a really bad guy, yeah. you know, it's not it's really, really easy to, to make these mistakes. The thing that bugs me the most about her is the raw hypocrisy. Yes. Yeah. She's out there lecturing and, and you know, on demonizing. dark money. Yeah. yeah. She's oh. even got it in her Twitter profile, like, you know, no corporate PAC money or anything like yeah. that. And that's yeah. like Well, you know what? Hey, uh, that drives me nuts because the money in a corporate pack is, is money from individual contributors mm-hmm. who are happen to be employees of that group. They're subject to limitations to the pack. They're subject from the pack is subject to limitations in. And if she doesn't want to take it, that's fine. But I bet you those people are contributing individually and incidentally probably raising more money from the corporation. I'm doing the air quotes mm-hmm. here. Air quotes. Yeah. You know, okay. It's like the corporate entity is saying, well, we're not going to give you five grand from our pack, but you know, let's host a fundraising event. And then here's a bunch of our people and they're all going to chip in $2,000. So she ends up getting more money from this. Mm-hmm. And I, I think we pointed out in my op-ed about this a couple of weeks ago that she- um, In the examiner, she, right? Uh, yes. In the yeah. Washington examiner that she has a ton of money that she gets from uh, the okay industry mm-hmm. and then the unions and it's- you know, there's a certain amount of hypocrisy here. I'll tell you, you know, the left love and the liberals and the Democrats, they love to talk about corruption in politics and corruption in campaign finance. It's corruption, corruption, corruption. It is always the most corrupt who talk the most about corruption. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Always. Always. Yeah. And in in the grand scheme of things here, so, you know, obviously you have a lot of experience with FEC stuff. Where do you think this whole scheme ranks in the history of, you know, FEC violations? The part that we filed the first complaint about, it falls into the category of stupid and you should have known better. And, right. you know, this is relatively run-of-the-mill sort of stuff that, you know, easily avoidable. I don't think that's that huge a deal. The bigger question about the the networking interrelationship of, of the entities involved here and the level of her control, mm-hmm. that's kind of a really big issue. This is the topic of, of a lot of FEC advisory uh, opinions and arguments and requests. There's a time, I think, when uh, Mark Elias, uh, Hillary Clinton's lawyer, like yes. screaming at the FEC in and hearing, I will sue you over this. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't know if he did or didn't, but there's uh, <laughs> this is a hotbed of, of, of stuff right now. And, you know, I think the the trick is being able to identify the clearly the, the bad act. So there's a guy, Tyler Harbor, who went to, in Virginia. He went to jail for criminal coordination. Mm-hmm. He was the um, the campaign manager for the Republican uh, sacrificial lamb in the Virginia 8th Congressional District. He decided to run a super PAC. And I think the way this happened was that he you know, was raising money for this can. The guy's going to lose. Like, it's like, yeah, I live yeah, in Virginia. Yeah. It's like, yeah. you're, you're done. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> you're done. You, you sign your favors and you're already done. Yeah. Uh, so land, he yeah. had this major donor call up and say, hey, well, what, you know, well, you're maxed out now. Well, what else can I do? You know, hold that thought. And then he basically creates a super PAC for this major donor and then a few others to contribute to. And then he uses that money, you know, some of it for the campaign, but he also directly paid his mortgage out of it. Right, right. Bought nice, shiny things. Personal yeah, expense. Yeah, I know. Yeah. That's that's a Jesse Jackson Jr. level of stupid thing. Yes. <laughs> uh, so this, uh, he goes and does this. The Chicago and, and way. What ends up happening is that there's a retired former federal prosecutor, Tyler Ware, who finds out about this. He's like the, a local committee chairman. Finds out about it, files a letter, you know, the, with the DOJ, says, hey, this guy's doing this bad stuff. He's prosecuted. He's convicted. And it's, you know, it's always when you're convicted, it's also lying to the FBI and all the other, the fun stuff. But so the guy goes to jail for this. And that's like a really big deal. It's the first criminal coordination case. And, you know, that case, a couple others, the DOJ has really got their, their appetite wet for this. Right. And so I think there, there, there's going to be more prosecution. So I think 
this bigger issue, and there's going to be more of an effort to expand the government's ability to prosecute these kinds of crimes. And so you look for fact patterns that make it easy to do so. I don't know that this is the easiest fact pattern to make because the FEC is going to have a hard time finding the actual evidence. Right. But I think there's enough there there that they should certainly be looking at it and investigating it. Chances are they'll they'll come to a conciliation agreement if they 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 find reason to believe they'll offer an opportunity to conciliate their lawyer will conciliate it'll go away yeah but I don't see this getting over to the DOJ and I think the, the reality is that the DOJ could step in they won't but they could right but this this sort of bigger issue I mean this is a really big deal and there's an opportunity here for the FEC to actually you know put a flag in the map and say hey it's not just the DOJ that can enforce the law we can do it too yeah. right um, yeah. and and also warn people off of this kind of conduct. Mm -hmm. Or, or uh, again, the, the annoying part is they could have done this legally, not even all that hard to do, out of laziness, stupidity, or greed. It looks like they did it the one way that was not lawful to do. Yeah. So, Yeah, I mean, it's certainly, I couldn't believe it when, when all these details started coming yeah. out. How, I mean, either it was totally, ridiculously, you know, stupid amateur hour, or it was quite the scheme they had running. Well, yeah. <laughs> I mean, especially when a million dollars gets taken off the books illegally. Yeah. <laughs> what was the exact amount? It oh, was, it was like 988. It was close yeah. to a million. Yeah. It's, it's enough money that, you know, people are going to notice when you start aggregating it all together. Of yeah. course. And, you know, you know the, what they could have done, again, if it's a general contractor with subcontractors or different folks, focuses, they could have just reported it broken down, but lumping it all together as strategic consulting over and over again, when they're out there saying, we are doing all this stuff. Mm -hmm. That's the mistake. And again, it's not illegal for them to do all that stuff through a general with the subs it, and even just reporting the general contractor doing all that work. It's that they you have to actually report what it's for. And it's not right. strategic consulting if you are running campaign events and doing mm -hmm. mail and making operational phone calls. expenses. Yeah, yeah I mean, it, you have to properly report this. And it's it's not that they report it wrong is that they they falsely report it. Mm -hmm. And so there's like this weird little technical difference. I don't think it's going to end up being you know, I don't think anyone's going to jail over this. I do hope there's a nice, you know, hefty fine involved. Mm -hmm. You know, probably two to three hundred thousand dollars could be what I, I would think would be not unreasonable here. It's just it blows my mind because the idea they have is actually a pretty good one. And I and I will give them credit for this is that it is expensive and difficult to run for office. And it yeah. is it keeps good people who want to serve out because you either have to have a lot of money or you have to raise a lot of money and vending the vendors involved. I mean, they all have to make a living and it's expensive work. And so having an, an infrastructure that exists to cheaply and affordably provide these services on a commercial basis is perfectly legal and makes sense. I've helped people put things like this together. Mm -hmm. You know, I've been the, the FEC reporting guy that was paid by one of these sorts of setups before, right. and it's fine. You know, everything, if, if it's reported properly. And the choices that came out, the, the choices along the way to not take the time, and I'll tell you why, because it's a pain in the to report it properly, but to not report this properly is what it leads to these decisions. So it's laziness. It's a little bit of greed because that's a lot of money. Yeah. Uh, right. You know, right. Yeah, yeah. It, it's not wanting to just, you know, well, maybe we don't want to disclose this or I don't want my name here. I mean, it's, I get the, the motivations that they're probably dealing with, but the way they went about doing it was probably the second worst possible way they could have done it. Mm -hmm. I'm sure there's a worse way and given time, they will find it. Yeah. Yeah. But, exactly. You know, it was just a bad set of decisions. The thing that kills me here is the like just total hypocrisy of the left. Because she essentially came out and obviously categorically denied all this and, and started saying, well, it's, you know, conspiracy theorists on the right and, you know, the right yeah. vast There right was no dark conspiracy. money. That's a quote, she said. Yeah, there's no dark money. There's no dark money. Yeah. Well, so here's the thing. If it was all money that came into the pack and came into her campaign and then from the pack and the campaign to the LLC, there's no dark money. But what if the L, I don't know if the, you know, and this is maybe something to look at, what if the pack? It has a super PAC account and is a, is a hybrid PAC, has a carry account, is a super PAC, it's all, 
outside money. What if there is some dark money that came in that way that just a little bit, like a couple thousand dollars? Mm -hmm. It's a big deal when it's millions of dollars, but when it's like a small amount of corruption, it's not a big deal. You know, again, it's, you know, the hypocrisy, it's outrageous to me. Right. And, you know, her principal argument is that, look, money in politics is bad. Money in politics is a bad thing, and we don't want that. That's her view. Mm -hmm. And the reality is, Oh, I just live in the world. This is the response yeah, to Yeah, exactly. Driving the SUV, the 17 <laughs> The Green mile, New Deal yeah. stuff, yeah. <laughs> uh, driving a 17-mile-per-gallon SUV away from a, a climate rally instead of taking the metro, our response is, hey, I just live in the world. Yeah. I'm like, and well, using air conditioning and yeah, flying yeah. and all that, yeah. It's, uh, it's a little bit nutter butter. And, yeah. uh, it seems like it's just excused whenever butter. it's on the left. And yeah. then you have, you know, say, say this was a Republican, right? Oh, I'm God. sure it would be total... Uh. The sky is falling yeah. from the well, mainstream media. Well, yeah. I mean, you know, Aaron Schock, um, as far as I'm, I'm aware, understand. By the way, I think there was a deal that was announced today. Yeah. I read yes, that, but, I saw yeah. that. No, yeah. Aaron Schock's big, the big thing that he did was he had bad taste in decorating his office and went <laughs> yeah. a little overboard. And from what I understand, it was really bad taste. So maybe we do need to fault him for it. But this is not that, that, that level of, you know, corruption and malfeasance that's out there. There are bad actors and who've done bad things on the Republican side and on the Democratic side. You know, this stuff, it's, it's almost like it's a penny ante little quirk. Like, right. you, you you espouse a principle, but it's just too inconvenient to live that principle. Yeah. And I think that, that kind of, you know, petty crookedness is just, a, it's frustrating when you're out there saying, oh, money and politics is bad, and it's corrupting, and it's all evil, and look at all these bad Republicans, when you're doing the exact same thing that you're accusing other people of doing. Because yep. it's always the most corrupt who talk the most about corruption. Yep, totally. Or maybe she did it out of love for her boyfriend. Yeah, well, <laughs> yeah. that's the funny part is that the boyfriend's involved in all this, and it kind of all started with the email. Email, yeah, yeah, yeah which wasn't a staff email. No, but, it wasn't. But which now there's has been no deleted. Thing. Yeah, well, there's no such thing as a non-staff email in the house. It's right. a house email. It's right. an asset of the government. You know, it's, this is sort of funny. Uh, so I'm preparing this complaint, and uh, there's a term in the law called meretricious. Mm -hmm. And you guys have heard of this? No. So no. it has a very archaic uh, definition. Uh, and there's this, this famous case from, like, the 1800s in New York where, you know, a woman was not allowed to sue a gentleman for the failure to pay for meretricious services. We'll put that politely. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, so I want to use this term, <laughs> but the modern term is it's shiny and it's pretty, but no substance. So I, just, I put the term in there to describe the services this guy was doing. It's like, well, you know, assuming he provided non-meretricious services to justify the cost. Every other lawyer I work with is like, no, you can't do that. No, you yeah. can't do that. You can't pull it out. But I'm like, but I'm not saying it about her. Like, no, can't do it. Can't do it. So, yeah. Well, I mean, it's it's going to be interesting. So, what's the next step in the FC complaint? Does it go to? Uh, I'm not sure exactly the process. Sure. So the short version is, we file the complaint. They uh, they take a couple of days to essentially say, yep, this is a legitimate complaint. They send a letter to us. They send a letter to her. They give her 15 days to file a response. Everybody asks for a 30 day extension. Everybody gets a 30 day right. extension. Uh, sometimes you get additional extension. So that's about, you know, 45 to 75-ish days out. Uh, they can finally get the responses from, from her. And so now they're supposed to investigate. And the Office of General Counsel will ultimately issue a recommendation to the full commission that says, you know, there's reason to believe, there's not reason to believe. The commission votes on it, and it goes from there. I would bet you dollars to donuts that this commission, the Democrats, are not going to find reason to believe. Uh, the Republicans, I you know. I can, you know, maybe there is, maybe there isn't. They'll they'll know after the investigation. Right. The problem is that this investigative process runs endlessly. I have complaints from 2016 still that are just festering without end. And they're not doing stuff. They're not looking at stuff. They just, they can't figure out how to write about it. They can't hmm. figure out how to, what the recommendation needs to be because it's not, for whatever reason. And this is a huge problem at the FEC is that they're in, unable to get this job done sometimes. And so it'll fester for a while. 
we can sue them after 120 days and say, hey, you failed to rule. But the problem is those, we call them delay lawsuits, are yeah. really hard to win. I have one right now against the FEC over the failing to rule on the Hillary Clinton $84 million uh, right. thing that we found. There's, they've been Which sitting was huge. On that. Yeah, yeah. They've been sitting on it for 15 months now. And it's not like it's hard. I gave them 100 pages of FEC reported you know, excerpts. But um, So they'll sit on it. We can sue, but you know we we did that in in that case, and that's now before a judge. And so I think with this FEC thing, probably the most likely outcome is they're going to say, hey, you know, let's exercise prosecutorial discretion and not do anything about it because it's six thousand dollars, right? Uh, right. Which I think is frustrating, but at least there's a process underway to try to hold her accountable. I'd like them to say, look, she's a she's an actual member of Congress. She won. She has to be held accountable. Fifty dollar fine. Like there has to be some accountability for her. Uh, the Office of Congressional Ethics. They get to take the investigation that we filed today about that email use and the calendar. They'll do what they're going to do with it. We won't know until they're done. But they actually are pretty aggressive about investigating. And this is very straightforward technical stuff. And then from there, it's um, you know we'll see when we'll see. But they, right. I would expect that we get some action there. Probably hopefully within six to twelve months. The next FEC complaint. You know uh, we'll have to see where we go with that one. But right. at the end of the day. I think what we're going to be doing at the Kula Dragon Foundation is we're going to be exposing these kinds of hypocritical misconduct. We're going to find out what she's doing. If it violates the law, the federal election laws, uh, you know, congressional ethics laws, we're going to write about it. We're going to talk about it and we're going to file complaints about it and let the authorities actually deal with this. If she's going to rail about this stuff, she should be held accountable to it. Mm -hmm. uh, even if um, the process is sort of favorable to her as an incumbent, as an office holder and you know, takes it easy, we still have a duty to try to bring this out. And I think we're not going to let her you know, sweep it under the rug. So, yep. It's yep. just uh, that, yeah. that's what we have to do. That's great. And, yeah. and you guys do great work over at the Coolidge Reagan Foundation. And follow them on Twitter. I just did this morning. It's at Coolidge Reagan, I believe. You know, I think so. I, yeah. uh, <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm, a, I'm as close to a Luddite as you can get and still have at least one Twitter account. Yep. But, uh, and follow Dan yeah. on Twitter, too. Yeah. But thanks so much for coming in, Dan. Really yeah. appreciate it. That's Thank you. Much more enlightening for our audience than what we can give. So. <laughs> yeah. Really well, I'm happy to help Indeed. everyone get a nice nap talking about campaign finance. Yeah. So. <laughs> no, no. Well, so actually, our audience was very engaged on this subject because we talked about it for like two shows. Yeah. yeah. So it's great. But thanks so much for coming in. And uh, thanks so much for listening, guys. We'll be back here for another episode of Triggered on Tuesday. We'll see you guys next week. Have a nice weekend. Have a good one.